think most people are there. One of the things I love to do when I'm on holiday by the sea is to uh, watch the sea come in and go out as the tide uh, rises and falls. Sometimes it happens very quickly, and at other times it happens very slowly. Nevertheless, there's always something happening, a constant ebb and flow of the water as it retreats and goes further down the beach away from us and then comes up back again as the tide changes. I guess we all know that's what happens uh, with the sea around our coasts. And uh, we've all done it, though. We, we, we forget. We turn over to sunbathe, we turn the page in the book, we shut our eyes, and the next moment we're wet, we're soaked, we may be stranded, or even worse, as the tide has taken us by surprise. That's why when you go on a beach, there are always signs. I, I, I haven't seen them before, uh, and, and we've been to the seaside many years running, but uh, this year I saw a, a sign which told me when high tide was and when low tide was, so that uh, we knew when to get on the beach, when we could get on the beach, and when it was time to leave. And uh, in our passage tonight, we find a similar dynamic going on. We see the tide of humanity ebb and flow with respect to Jesus. On the one hand, if you look at, at verse 66, we see some disciples drifting away from Jesus. Again, in verse 70, we see one of the twelve, Judas, who has already drifted a long way from Jesus. And yet he seems to still follow. And then on the other hand, you have uh, the other disciples, verses 68 and 69, like Peter, who are drawing closer to Jesus. Lots of different people moving with respect to Jesus. No one standing still. And when you pause to think about it, uh, that is really what everyone's experience is. It's happening here tonight, even as I speak, even as we meet. Some of us are drawing closer to Jesus. Others of us, well, we're drawing away from Jesus. Some of us drawing closer to him, experiencing more and more of his power in our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit changing us, making us more like Jesus, to love him more than more, moulding us to be more the people that we should be, fitting us for heaven. And then there are others of us who are drifting away from Jesus, becoming less close to him, less close than you were this morning or yesterday. And Jesus' words to his disciples and his questions of them in these verses ask the question too of us what sort of follower am I? Are you? Am I moving on with Jesus and so growing in my devotion to him or am I moving away from Jesus and growing in my defection from him? And in Jesus' discussion with his disciples uh, in these verses, we see, first off, the marks of defection, of moving away from Jesus, and then the marks of devotion to Jesus, those who are growing closer to him. So, first off, the uh, marks of defection from Jesus, verses 63 to 66. Verse 60 says this. On hearing it, that's the teaching of Jesus. Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? 
Now the disciples that John is referring to here shouldn't be confused with the twelve apostles who Jesus speaks to later on in verses uh, 67 onwards. Here John is meaning those who follow Jesus in every sense of the word. There were some who were following Jesus because he'd fed them. The feeding of the 5,000 happened at the beginning of chapter 6 here. 5,000 people fed with a boy's packed lunch. There were others who tagged along just because there was a crowd. They didn't know what was going on, but they thought it might be worth their while. And then there were others who wanted to hear what Jesus said. And then still others who believed in who Jesus was. And it's some of those people, some of that mixed bunch who start grumbling because they found Jesus teaching hard. The word that John uses and is translated here, hard, actually means offensive. It wasn't difficult to understand, but it was unpalatable. And so they say to Jesus, this is hard teaching. This is offensive. Who can accept it? And Jesus responds very quickly. And in his response, Jesus reveals the state of their hearts. And he says that they are defecting from him. And they show it in two ways. They find, first off, offence at Jesus' words. And secondly, they reject Jesus' identity. Let's look at those individually. First off, uh, defecting by finding offence with Jesus' words. These disciples are clearly offended by what Jesus said. His words were exclusive. So if you just cast your eyes over to the right-hand column of the left-hand page, to verse 35, Jesus says these words, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never grow hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Those are exclusive words, aren't they? And they are going to be unpalatable to some. But not only were his words exclusive, they were also very challenging. Verse 26, Jesus says this to people. He says, look, I can see through you. You're following me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because I gave you your packed lunch. And then he challenged their traditions. Verse 32, he says, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. He also challenged their understanding. Verse 42, he said, they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? And then he challenged their independence. Verse 53, I tell you the truth, unless you can eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Unless you are so caught up with me, unless you are identifying with me so intimately and following me so closely, that I am right at the centre of your life. Unless that is the truth, you have no life in you. That is challenging, isn't it? And so rather than obey what Jesus is saying, they take offence at what Jesus is saying. And they begin to defect. They stop following him. We all have the same temptations, don't we? When we don't like Jesus' teaching about something, when we don't like the, what the Word of God says more generally, we switch off. We pick and mix like we 
might pick sweets in a shop, the ones that we like and the ones that we uh, don't like, we leave. So is it his word on relationships and marriage, on sexuality and sex. We'll play fast and loose with that, depending on how we feel. Or his word on money and materialism, possessions and giving to the gospel work. Or his commands for obedience, not just partial obedience, but total obedience and commitment. Or his claims for the uniqueness of the gospel. Or about the priority that he should have in our lives. Giving him the top spot. Well, that doesn't quite work for me sometimes. Jesus, I'll just give you the second or third spot to my job or just to the thing that is most important to me at the moment. And so it goes on. You can put whatever you want to in that box. We all know, don't we, when we're tempted to find offence at Jesus' teaching and just close our ears to it. And the danger is that once we start down that road, we will never stop. Those people who first defected from Russia during the Cold War, they didn't suddenly decide to defect overnight. It happened bit by bit. They heard something that they didn't want to hear and it offended them. They heard something more and so they stopped listening more and more and more until they decided it was time to get out. And that can be the same for us. We take offence once at Jesus' teaching and thereafter taking offence becomes easier and easier. And so our defection from Jesus grows and grows and grows. Maybe that's a reality that some of you recognise in your own life tonight. Once you listened intently or perhaps at least open-mindedly but now you are playing pick and mix with Jesus' words. You decide what you want to accept. Well, if that's you, uh, just listen to how Jesus responds to people like you. Verses 62 and 63, he says two things. The first is this, in verse 62, he says this. He says, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? It's a very blunt question. Jesus says, look, if you're offended by what I say, what will you make of where I'm going next? I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to be raised from the dead, seen walking around, and then I'm going to be seen ascending into heaven. Jesus knows that that's going to be an even bigger scandal than the things he's been saying already. But he knows that this is the way by which his words will be fulfilled. And because Jesus knows how people respond to his words, and he knows how outrageous that people have felt those words are, he says, look at what is going to happen in the future. Because what happens in the future, and how you respond to what I'm going to do next, will depend and determine your eternal destiny. And because of that, he says next, verse 63, he says, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. You see, Jesus says, secondly, only the Holy Spirit can give life and he does so through my words. So what was happening when the people listened to Jesus' words and what is happening now as we listen to his words as the Holy Spirit caused those words to be written down by John read tonight 
and we look at it now. The Holy Spirit takes those words of Jesus and he applies them to our hearts even now. So that our lives are being gripped by him and our souls stirred by him with the aim that we hear and accept what he is saying to us. And in his words, we find life. Life not just for now, but for eternity. That's what Jesus longs for, and yet people defect away from him. First, by taking offence at his words, and secondly, by rejecting Jesus' identity. They refuse to believe who he is, that he is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So, verse 64, he says, You've heard what I say, you know there is life in it. And yet there are some of you who refuse to believe in me. Jesus knows that however great the revelation about him is, some people just will not believe. How does Jesus know that? It's because he knows each of us intimately. He knows you and me. He knows what we're thinking about him even now this moment just as he knew those people he was speaking to then. Just look how verse 64 reads. He says, John records, For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. Jesus knows who are the real followers and who are the fair-weather followers getting ready to defect, or worse, as Judas was getting ready to betray him in verse 70 and 71. And yet in spite of all that Jesus knows about you and me, he still graciously invites us all to receive his words and believe on him. Verse 45, just look across to the left-hand column of our page. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Everyone. And verse 47. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. He's saying, look, even now, here and now, if you want to, you can believe. You can end your defection this moment because he still loves us, because he still loved those people he was speaking to then. He knows that it is through God's word, through his words, that God draws people to faith. Verse 65. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him to do so. That's the amazing offer Jesus is making to those people who were listening then, and to us tonight. Which is why all who reject him defect, bit by bit by bit. It's their choice. The offer is to everybody, and it is our choice to defect from him. And we're culpable for doing that. Jesus says, verse 66, or John reminds us what happened next. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They were offended at his words. They refused to believe in his identity. And as you and I witness those events secondhand through John by the Holy Spirit, They warn us what can happen to those who are seemingly very close to Jesus. 
in a service like this, we can all seem fairly close to Jesus, can't we? Stirred by the Spirit as we sing, as we pray, as we read God's Word, as we hear it preached even now. God stirs in our hearts. May it well be that you've been coming to Christ Church for many years, or perhaps this is the first time here tonight. Perhaps you've grown up in the youth work. You've heard the truth time and time again. You've been nurtured there. You've been nurtured in the student ministry too. But perhaps you're just drifting, beginning to defect. may well be that you joined Christ Church in adult life. You've been part of the furniture here for many years. Or perhaps tonight you're someone who is, for the first time, considering becoming a Christian. Whoever we are, these verses warn us that not submitting to Jesus' words, not recognising and acknowledging him is a very dangerous state to be in. Very dangerous. For we are either drawing closer to him or, as these people were, withdrawing from him and defecting from him and so abandoning life. Do you really want to do that? We grip onto life so much in this life, don't we? We don't want to let it go and yet so many... So many that day with Jesus turned their back on him and on life that he offered. If you're someone on the edge of things here tonight, with one foot in with Jesus and with the other in with the world, can I encourage you to take a long, hard look at yourself, at where you stand with Jesus, and make a fresh start with him? Because he's longing to have you back, and he knows that until he is Lord of all of your life, He is not really Lord at all. If that is you tonight, I just want to encourage you to look on the bookstore. There's a a book called A Fresh Start. Might be a great holiday read for you. Make a fresh start. Stop defecting and turn back again to him. You'll find some of these on the bookstore. Bottom bottom shelf on the left-hand set of shelves at the right-hand side. That might be a book just for you. So the marks of defection are easily seen and so are the marks of devotion. There are two of them. There are two of them. Verse 67, Jesus says to his disciples, you don't want to leave too, do you? And as Jesus goes on to talk to his disciples and uh, Simon Peter answers, we see very quickly what those two marks of devotion are not surprising what they are because they're the exact opposite of what we've seen in the person who is defecting. We see them both in Peter's answer in verses 68 and 69. And the first is this, it's finding life in Jesus' words. Finding life rather than finding offence in Jesus' words. Just listen to what Peter says. Simon Peter answered Jesus, Lord, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He'd seen other religions. He knew they could offer him nothing. They were just false promises. He'd seen too that work didn't offer everything that he thought it might. He'd been a fisherman. He'd worked his guts out, but that didn't satisfy. He had friendships and relationships. But they couldn't offer what Jesus did. And he asks, he says, to whom can I go? 
He knows the answer. He knows that it's, it's nowhere. No one can offer forgiveness of sins as Jesus can. No one can give us peace with, with God as Jesus can. No one can offer you a relationship with God now and in eternity. Jesus can. No one can give you purpose in this life as Jesus can. And no one can give us hope in the face of death as Jesus can. John knows that Jesus' words are offensive to others. He knows that by believing them, he too will cause offence to others. That is why the Christian life is a hard life. If you are devoted to Jesus, you will cause offence. It is a hard life. But just recall what uh, Jesus said to those who were turning away. Verse 65, No one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. So if you are in with Jesus, if you are devoted to him, God has made that possible. And he will keep you if you want to stay devoted to him. So that's the first hallmark of the person who is devoted. They are finding life in Jesus' words. Second, they are believing in Jesus' identity. Those who are rejecting Jesus, they refuse to believe. But those who are devoted to Jesus, they believe. Verse 69, we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. That's what Peter says. We believe and we know. I wonder if you notice the order that Peter speaks in. It's, it's a very helpful reminder for us because, you see, you cannot know what relationship with Jesus is like until you have believed in him and started that relationship with him. It's the same in all relationships. You can only know something when you have actually taken that step of faith in someone. Say, for example, uh, when you decide to get married to someone, you don't know what life is like going to be married to that person, but you believe that that is the right step to make. And once you have taken that step of belief, then you come to know that it is right, don't you? That's the same with all, all relationships. Whether it's a business relationship, whether it's a friendship, or whether it's a relationship that is moving forward to marriage. You believe, you act, and then you know. And what Peter and the other disciples believed and came to know was that Jesus is the Holy One from God. He's the one who was without sin. And so therefore he was the one who could die and take our place. He could be our substitute. He was the one who came from heaven. He was the one who was God and is God and therefore could redeem us. Peter saw the evidence and he acted on it. And once he had believed, he came to know, he came to experience what it was like to have a relationship with Jesus, to have the life that Jesus offered through his words. And so did some of the twelve. Some of the twelve. Many of you here tonight will have done that also. And to you, can I give you some words of encouragement to remain devoted, to keep on loving Jesus more and more, may well be some here tonight are perhaps beginning to put Jesus on pause for a bit. Oh, he's had that part of my life. It's time for me just to, uh, 
well, I'll give myself a bit more time. Perhaps you're being tempted to give up reading the Bible day by day and praying to him and making him a priority in your life, the number one priority. Well, if that's you tonight, can I urge you, please, not to, to stop loving Jesus more and more each day, to put him first, to read his word, to obey him, to believe in him. And for you, can I just uh, point you to a book? It's, it's written by a friend of mine. It's called The Real Life Jesus. And uh, if you've been enjoying our series through uh, John's Gospel, uh, this is written by uh, Mike Kane, and its subtitle is Meaning, Freedom and Purpose. And it looks through John's Gospel at the Jesus revealed therein. Again, you'll find it, same place on the bookshelf, left-hand side of bookshelves uh, as you go towards the coffee bar, bottom shelf and on the right-hand side. Great summer read for you to help you to become more and more devoted to Jesus. Don't wander off alongside uh, those who are perhaps loving Jesus more and more every day. There may well be some here tonight who perhaps need to ink their devotion to Jesus in. Maybe you've been waiting for some more proof about who Jesus is. Another experience, or, or perhaps you've been just wanting to have a bit more time to think about who he is. You know what Jesus uh, says here through his conversation with Peter, it's that you'll never know that until you have believed. You'll only know Jesus more fully and fully once you have started to believe, once you have taken that step of faith. Can I suggest perhaps you'd make that decision tonight, here and now? Because you see, if you put it off, if you put off taking that step, you're in danger of just behaving like one of those people who were defecting in the interested crowd following Jesus, but really just pushing Jesus away, perhaps to a more convenient time. If you're doing that, actually all you're doing is, is not just putting Jesus off, but you are pushing him further and further away. Jesus knows exactly where we stand tonight, just as he did those twelve that night. Verse 70, Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Jesus knew then that there was one person who was already a million miles away from him and had no thought of returning. And yet Jesus was leaving the door open. Leaving the door open. So Jesus has revealed here tonight two types of followers, some devoted to Jesus and who are moving closer to him, others who are defecting from him and moving away from him. That means as we leave here tonight, some will be leaving, leaving as followers devoted to Jesus, some who are close already to Jesus and loving him and keen to grow closer some who perhaps have, have just started out the Christian life and are wanting to grow in that devotion. Others who perhaps are returning to, to love Jesus again after perhaps momentarily deserting him and affecting. So there'll be the followers who are devoted to Jesus and there'll be others who are leaving who are 
followers defecting to Satan. That's what Jesus says here. It is a shocking thing. Verse 70. Jesus says of Judas, yet one of you is a devil. Some here tonight, that may well be true of. The door is open to come back. Jesus longs for it. In his words, our eternal life. Some may already be defecting to him. Some, perhaps just beginning to defect. And Jesus says, as he said to those disciples, what about you? What about you? He knows the truth about each of us. Are we going to be honest with him and see that truth also and return to him before it's too late? There will be a too late. Mark my words and mark Jesus' words for in them there is eternal life. Let's take a moment of quiet. Let's consider how how we would answer Jesus He says, what about you? And let us quietly in our hearts make our response to him.